Welcome back to In the Shadow of the Evening Trees. I'm Jennifer Von Ebers. I'm David Von Ebers. Welcome back. I keep wanting you to do like a Harry Carey <laughs> introduction. You you do a good Harry Carey Hello, impression. Hello, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. Second base. Second base. Oh, the second base. <laughs> Rick Sutcliffe. Big, good-looking right-hander. Sorry. That's not really, that wasn't really an impersonation. He's, you do a good one, though. That is, uh, that's Harry Carey for you. You know, you know, <laughs> somebody gets him out. That's not, again, that's not. Uh, so another week has flown by, and we are back um, for the, another episode. Did I say 33? Episode I don't know. 33. I don't know. Um, Does it matter? It, we're getting there. We're um, we're creating content. We're putting it out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, so we hope everybody's had a good week. Um, we are settling into finally having our pool in our backyard <laughs> up and running. Uh, there's a fiasco about that. Is the house that we moved into a few years ago? There may have been some issues with the plumbing underneath the pool, which we found out last summer. Although we don't really know for sure whether it was something that was already there or developed after we moved. True. Hard, hard to know. But we've waited pretty much two and a half months for it to be completed, and it finally. No, um, more, I would say, well, we wouldn't have been in the pool in April, but they first came out in yes. April. So it was really about three months from start to finish to actually fix it. So July 14th, our son's 25th birthday, yes. was the first inaugural jump in the pool. Yes, and also um, Woody Guthrie's birthday. That is true. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, uh, well, and, and it's, you know, we don't want to badmouth local businesses because they were definitely trying to help. They were. It wasn't that they weren't trying to help. But it was one of those things where when they opened it up, we could see that we had lost a lot of water over the winter. And I said right up off the bat that I think we should just replace everything. It's an above ground pool, but it's a, a liner. And I'm like, we should replace the liner. We should replace the plumbing. And they're, you know, they were trying to save us money. And they're kind of like, no, 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 no. We can fix it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Anyway, guess what we ended up doing? Replacing everything. We replaced the liner and we replaced the plumbing. And we have a new filter. But that and that's the funny thing is we'd or, we'd already committed to buying the new filter because we had that conversation with them, with the pool people last uh, fall. And we're like, yeah, hey, we're gonna buy it. Well, so we'll do that. So they delivered it on time in the spring. They got it mostly set up. They couldn't completely do it because there was no water in the pool basically. Yes. Um, and then that started the rest of it. So we'd already paid for the new filter and having it installed, and yet we had a pool that wasn't working. Yes. So I do want to tell a fun story about the pool, though. Tell is, a fun story. Um, the previous owners left, well, a bunch of crap here. But, oh, they um, left an they insane left, amount of stuff. They left pool um, chemicals, obviously, with they're still in the basement because we had it serviced the last two summers. We could cook um, up some meth. <laughs> probably. With all the leftover stuff. We could do yeah. our own breaking bad down here in <laughs> the basement. We uh, but they left a virtually brand new, um, like robot cleaner, pool cleaner. Vacuum. It's called Vacuum. It's Polaris vacuum. is the brand, and um, we didn't use it the last two summers because, as I mentioned, we had them come out and service it weekly for us because we just didn't really know it was involved, and it was just easier to do that. So this year we're like, we're gonna do it. We're gonna figure this out, and so it could not be easier. 
and so fun. Yeah, so it is very easy. David brought it up from the basement, and um, literally it worked, which was great. But it looked brand new, like it had never yeah, been used. Yeah, it looked like it really looked like it. Never, there's no wear on the little tire. Of course, I don't imagine they get a lot of wear in the yeah. pool, but but there was no sign of wear at all. But the best part is you basically plug it in, turn it on. And just set it on top of the pool, let the um, bubbles fly out of it, and just let go. And it just starts its magic and just goes back and forth and up the sides. It's even. a Roomba. It's, it's like a Roomba. Roomba. It just your pool. goes all the way around the pool, up and down the sides. And it definitely works. And it has a little basket that you take out that's got the debris in it. You can set the timer for how long you want it to go. There is an app for it. We're still trying to figure that out, um, but um, we may not even need that. Well, I think it's because it's an older machine, and because um, it has to be at least like three years old. Yeah, it was here when we moved, um, and I think it has something to do with the Bluetooth connection. It's just not connecting. Yeah, to our phones. Anyway, but aside from that little uh, technological glitch, it was funny. So we're happy we have a. Um, we know how to work. Uh, take care of our pool. We do. We do. Although we still kind of cheat because you just bring a water sample to the pool place and they tell you what you need to do. So there's not a lot of thinking involved. There's not. And I, I pictured it actually being like more of like putting the pH in there and figuring out like almost well, like... Well, they a, test for all that stuff. Yeah. But like us doing that. And they're yeah. like, how are we supposed to figure that out? But um, luckily they do that for us. So... Yeah, and the thing is, is if you did all that testing on your own and then you had to go buy stuff, you'd still have to go to the pool place to buy what you need. True. So you might as well just bring the sample, have them do it, tell us what we need, pick it up, bring yes. it back. Yeah. So we're not Walter White here. We're not We're not cooking up meth, but it, we do have a lot of chemicals in the basement. We do. Um, all perfectly legal, as far as we know. As far <laughs> as you know. And as far as I've found from the internet, I called the internet down to ask how long we does call that uh, chemical pool chemicals last for three to five years in a cold place. So and they, who knows if it's still viable. Yeah, that's part of the problem is we don't really know how old some of this stuff is. Yeah. But, so now we feel feel like we can finally start our summer. <laughs> although we, we went through all this. We, go to the, we brought the water sample in last Friday. And then we forgot to ask them about disposing of any of the chemicals that yes. we got to get rid of. So that was a tactical mistake. Yeah, because you can't really throw that in the trash or down the toilet. <laughs> well, you might be able to, but it would be bad for everybody. It would. Um, and as I mentioned um, on Friday, it was our son's 25th birthday. Yep. So that is a huge milestone and uh, celebration. We're officially old. <laughs> we have... Every- all our children are adults. That is We're true. Old. That is true. Um, it's exciting, though. It is exciting. What are you going to do? <laughs> so what else is going on? Can't stop time. Um, so last week we talked about threads. and We did um, talk about threads. We talked about um, people um, that you normally don't interact with. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, a few things, is um, that a lot of celebrities are on there, um, mm-hmm. which is... Normally, I don't follow celebrities at all, so I wouldn't um, necessarily know to, um, you know, that they're posting online um, and stuff like that. But one thing that I saw this week, which I thought was amazing, and I hope I can find it now, is um, Kevin Bacon oh. and his wife, um, Kira Sedgwick, uh, talking about um, raising money for... Uh, 
they were raising money for um oh my gosh this isn't a good story because i'm not prepared (laughs) (laughs) and i'm trying to find it right now for drag queens um talking about how um they're for them reading in the classroom for their artistry for everything that they um contribute to society and that they shouldn't be made feel bad uh, you know made fun of or made feel bad because that's what they like to do um kind of thing so when i find the link we'll put it in our thing but um they're actually raising money um for a a cause um that is uh for that and i thought that was amazing well it's also kind of what it's it is you know arguably one of the dumbest um sort of controversies in the world i think is you know the whole thing with uh drag uh, performers because and we've talked about this before, but you know, all drag is is an aesthetic. Well, I shouldn't. I don't mean to. I don't mean to minimize the people behind it. Correct. But it's an aesthetic. It's not an orientation. It's not an identity. Well, it can be an identity, I suppose, depending on on um, how, what one does with it. You could say. But I mean, it, but the thing is, it's an aesthetic, and and it's not like, um, you know, just like anything else. It 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 obviously isn't necessarily sexual unless someone decides in a particular circumstance to make it that way if you go to a drag show with adults at a drag club there's going to be a lot of adult humor a lot of sexual humor just like if you go to a stand-up comedy show exactly for adults you're, there's going to be a lot of adult humor okay i but, found it but uh but you know performers obviously do things in different contexts that are appropriate for the context 100 percent so it's just a dumb controversy because somebody may be dressed in drag, but it they're just reading a book to kids. It, there's zero sexual overtones to no. that at all. No. Um, so here I found the post. So what they posted was, he and his wife posted, drag bands are bad karma. Right now, drag performers and the LGBTQAI plus community needs our help. Um, so um, they have a campaign supporting the ACLU Nationwide Drag Defense Fund and the nationwide effort to prevent creative expression. Um, and you can make a gift. And then it says hashtag drag is as a right. And the, and that that is the thing is that from a legal point of view, you really can't take the First Amendment context out of it because it is performance. I mean, look, the courts have found that strippers are expressing First Amendment rights, First Amendment expression. So clearly, you know, regular male or female strippers in a strip club, right? So clearly people who are still fully clothed. <laughs> right, right, know, exactly. Are, are, Should also have that same right. Right, it's clearly expressive conduct. You can't really remove the First Amendment um, protections from it. That doesn't necessarily mean that you couldn't apply other laws like like you know a stripper has the first amendment right to do what they do but you couldn't go into a school cafeteria and perform uh, well you could if you weren't stripping i guess <laughs> but i mean the point is you know there it doesn't necessarily mean that the first amendment is like like cloaks everything you do in protection just because it's expressive but clearly sitting in a library you know or a classroom reading books that are age appropriate to children, there's absolutely nothing about that that's even remotely sexual. And it very clearly is protected by the First Amendment. And that's why, you know, these cases keep getting, you know, these 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 um, these states keep losing, you know, um, all over the country where they pass these laws, 
the courts just throw them out because you know there's very clear First Amendment protection uh, to what these folks do. But you know that's part of the demonization. I mean, these um, there's a huge segment of society that's that's either gone completely insane or that it's a very calculated thing. I mean, I think it's both of these things. Some pe- so, for yeah. some people, it's very calculating. Yeah. And they're trying to manipulate dumb people. But for other people, they're just, they've just lost their minds. And they've lost their minds over things that everyone sort of accepted and shrugged off for decades, you know? I yeah. mean, from, I mean, all the obvious examples that you hear about, Milton Berle wearing a dress, Bugs Bunny, you know, being in a, a dress, um, you know, every imaginable thing. All of the famous uh, performers like, you know, Dame Edna and all these people who were had huge fan bases all around the world. It's it's just absolutely absurd that we're pretending that it's some scary thing. But, you know, that's the way fascists always work. Well, and I wish that it would just be like this would be perfect um, in society (laughs) if people who don't agree with somebody you know doesn't like the way somebody does something mind your business you know so it's like it's so it it would be easier for that person just to be like okay that's not for me so other people can enjoy it i'm gonna bow out instead of people attacking and putting people down and getting in that fight it's like you don't want to be in that fight anyway so why are you even arguing so um well yeah i mean that's the thing is like if if it if it makes you uncomfortable like if you don't want to go to a drag show cool don't yeah. Like I, I don't think anybody's judging you if you feel uncomfortable in that environment, but you can't impose that on other people. And the the reason why these like the the drag queen story hour things have taken off is because there's a huge segment of the population who's actually pretty cool with it, and they're totally cool with their kids being around drag performers. Yeah, you don't have any say in that if it's not your kid, you know. You you don't have the right to control what other the decisions that other parents yes make and, and think that your uh, way is the right. right way right and that's what so much of this is is it's really trying to control other parents you know it's telling I mean our kids are adults now but a lot, let me just say to groups like Moms for Liberty and and Awake Americans and Awake Illinois. Get down on your knees and thank God that our children are adults now. Because if our kids were in school and you tried to pull this crap in our schools, we would go to war. Yeah. We would burn it down before you would have anything to say about the books in our school library, the curriculum that our kids learn, how teachers, you know, show support for LGBTQIA students and so on and so forth. You are so lucky that you're bringing this nonsense to the forefront now because if it happened when I was a parent with children in in one of these schools, you would not want to be on the receiving end of that. I'm half Irish and all lawyer, and let (laughs) me tell you something. You don't want that smoke, man. You don't want that smoke. I saw, I you know, so there are these crazy groups, yeah, uh, in our area, and I saw them going off on a um, a medical practice in our former hometown of Oak Park, which is where I grew up. You grew yeah. up right next door. Our children grew up in Oak Park, uh, which is right outside the city of Chicago. It is a very progressive um, suburb, 
and they were going off after this um, this this uh, medical practice. Uh, they were um, uh, mostly pediatricians, I guess, maybe all pediatricians, and they parted ways with one of their members after they, you know, they'd had some ongoing controversy with this woman where she was complaining about masks and school closings and doing all this anti-science nonsense around COVID. And then apparently they discovered that she'd been posting all kinds of offensive stuff on social media about oh, LGBTQ. Great. You have to understand, Oak Park had a domestic partnership registry mm -hmm. in the 1980s. Yes. We had a, a, you know, we elected as our village president an out lesbian woman who served in that post for, I don't know, more than a decade, I believe. This is not the community to mess with if you're coming from that point of view. And I was just, I saw some of this stuff and I'm like, you folks have no idea what you're up against. Yeah, it's like, do you, you even have, know? <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is that, you know, there's, there, you know, it's not just that the majority of people disagree with these very, very narrow-minded people. And that's true. I mean, you look at all the opinion polls. Americans, by and large, are overwhelmingly supportive of the queer community in general. And they don't believe in book bans and things like that. But it's not just like the polling numbers of that sort of thing. Is that there are, there are all kinds of communities all over the country that don't want to put up with this nonsense, Absolutely. and and they're going to push back. And so you know you got an uphill battle if you think you're really going to turn back uh, the clock. It's not going to happen. No. Uh, and especially those people too who also don't want any um, celebrations of anything pride or in yeah. any schools um, it's like you don't get to make that decision for everybody else yeah it, it, it's it's really crazy and um, you know they kind of they're so they're such joyless people they ruin everything <laughs> for everybody you know in Joliet which is a suburb um, south of Chicago in Will County southwest of Chicago in Will County they, well, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Joliet. It was actually, I believe it was the county, the county itself. They were going to, they, they had a, a resolution um, to honor Juneteenth back in June. Um, you know, it's a pretty diverse community, and they wanted to make sure that black folks in the community felt, you know, feel like they're welcome and they're part of things. So they were going to honor um, a June, a Juneteenth. And then, um, they also separately were going to had a resolution to honor or to acknowledge Pride Month because it would be coming up the next month. And some member of the of the county board wanted to add in a, some sort of a resolution honoring this Moms for Liberty group. It's got nothing to do with anything. Oh, Juneteenth my. is a national holiday. It's something that's been around for you know in Texas since the 1860s, yes. since not long after the Civil War ended. You know, anyway, it, it has nothing to do with politics. It's about celebrating the end of slavery in America. And pride, again, is not about politics. It's about honoring, you know, or recognizing part of our community. So someone tried to politicize it by dragging this Moms for Liberty group in. And that led to a big controversy. A lot of members of the community were very upset about them trying to, As you know. they should. Right, and push back. And there were a lot of letters and emails and so forth to the county board. So they withdrew all of it. So they, they didn't pass a resolution honoring Juneteenth or acknowledging Pride Month. You know, so that's the thing. These people are such killjoys. They ruin everything. 
It's like, you know. That's so unfortunate. Yeah. And, and all they are, and, and I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. These are, I, I don't want to, you're a lovely white woman. <laughs> I don't want to attack white women, and white men have their own problems too. But these are spoiled white women who've never been told no a day in their lives. And all of the sudden, people are pushing back and saying, you're bad people. And they cannot handle it. Yeah. They can't handle it. Um, these are these are the same, you know, th th this is basically like, you know, the woman who called the police on the Central Park bird guy. Mm -hmm. That's who these people are. Th these are, you know, someone referred to them as clanned, clanned Karenhood. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, that that's... You know, if that term means anything, it applies to, to this group. Can I see the manager? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you won't be surprised that it originally began with COVID. They were pissed off about COVID restrictions and masks and school closing. So they started going to school board meetings and raising hell at, at school board meetings. And then it became, oh, you know, you're teaching critical race theory in our schools, which is absolute nonsense. That that's a whole different conversation. But critical race theory is a is a law school uh, curriculum that deals with how you analyze legal institutions in the context of a history of racism, and you know how the Constitution has been used both to, in some cases, you know, help people uh, uh, protect people from racial inequity, but how it's often also been used to oppress people, and how the law has been used, you know. Slavery was a legal institution. Jim Crow was, 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 you know, a matter of legal segregation. So that's what critical race theory is all about. It's about the law, not about um, even just about, about history. But anyway, so then they're trying to prevent, you know, the honest, fair, objective teaching of history in our schools. And then it became this crusade against, uh, they claim it's only against trans kids, but in fact, they hate all queer kids. And yeah, the word is hate. You know, oh, come definitely. On. Let's not dance around it. They hate queer kids. So they're just bad people. But my favorite thing is that, that there's a there's a group now here in Illinois. There was a group called Awake Illinois, you know, and now there's Awake Americans. And what cracks me up is they go on and on and on about the word woke, right? And they call themselves awake. <laughs> And what is what else does it mean when they say awake Americans? Like they're using I, the word the same way. Yeah, it's so dumb. <laughs> By the way, on that subject, so I want to talk about the word. Okay. Uh, because um, the way it's used is incredibly annoying. So I just Bill Bill Burr, the stand-up comedian, had a really clever little bit about this term. Um, and our friend uh, Greg, who happens to be African-American, posted this little clip. And I, I'll just say that what Bill Burr said is actually consistent with how I viewed this all along. So the first time I ever heard that term used in the way um, that, that, it's, that it's used um, was years ago, I did some legal work for a black-owned media company, and they had a, some podcasts, and they had a YouTube channel, and so on and so forth. It's called This Week in Blackness. And um, the guy who created it is a, a comedian from New York named Elon James White, and he produced a, a number of different shows. And one of the shows they had, where they had a podcast every, I think it was every morning, um, and the host of that podcast is a woman from, from New York City, 
a black woman named L. Joy Williams, and she is a political strategist and consultant and is very knowledgeable about politics. And she's, as I say, based in New York. <clears throat> and she would end her shows every time she recorded a show. She'd end it by saying, in Brooklyn, we stay woke. So first of all, that was the first time I'd heard the word used that way. Now, I immediately realized that this was that the way she was saying it, this is African-American vernacular English, A-A-V-E. It was a, it, you know, and then this, there's a lot of words and phrases that come out of A-A-V-E that people use in everyday speak. In fact, you know, the term Karen is kind of, I think that is really something that comes from it. But anyway, so what I saw happening before it became a controversial thing was a lot of white liberals I am a white liberal, so I'm 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 criticizing myself when I say this. A lot of white liberals appropriated that term. They thought it sounded cool. And we're going to take this over. Yeah, as white people do when they hear black people say something, they go, "Oh, that's cool. I want to be cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that." And they started using it, meaning meaning that they were they were down with the cause, right? right. They were hip. They understood it. And the term, you know, in AAVE, really just meant being woke means being aware, like being aware of what's going on and, you know, being aware of the threats to the community, being aware of racism, being aware of inequities, but being aware, being alert, that's really what it was about. It wasn't about, you know, being some sort of liberal crusader. It was about awareness of the the, the political and, and social kind of dangers that exist and, and threaten the black community. So I, I immediately felt sort of cringy when I heard white folks using white liberals using it. Right. And lo and behold, of course, then white conservatives took it over and they weaponized it and they're using it against people. And the Bill Burr piece, to circle back to that, it's just a short thing, is, you know, he he, he talks about how basically white people ruin everything <laughs> and they took they stole they stole that term and now it's blowing up in everybody's, you know, face. And he, he goes, one of you guys slipped up. You said it at a party, and some white person heard you say it, and then they're like, you know, oh, I want to be woke. I like that word. I'm going to use gonna that word. I'm going to say it all the time. Anyway, it was like, it was like dead to rights. It was exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, and our friend Greg, uh, you know, that's why he posted that clip. So, you know, we do. We do ruin everything. And, and we do have that annoying habit because you hear black folks speak and you say, wow, that, that sounds cool. I want to be cool like that, right? But you're like literally like, like Elvis stole <laughs> from black artists. And, you know, the history of like American culture is white people stealing from black people over and over and over again. So please stop. <laughs> please stop. For the love of God. For the love of God. <laughs> And these idiots, these awake Americans people, I mean, they've all blocked me on social media because they, they literally cannot take any pushback or criticism. Right. As soon as they realize that you're on to their scam, they block you immediately. Right, because they don't want to make right. see that other people, right. um, that they're dumb. But, the, but they did this, like, you talk about cringe. and You thought it was cringy when white liberals talked about, used the word woke in the early days before it became a political football. I'll, sh I'll tell you the most cringeworthy thing I think I've ever seen was that around the 4th of July, they created this giant, this Awake Americans group, or at least the people here in Illinois that are affiliated with it. They, they created this giant laminated thing, document, 
that they called, and I, if I can say this with a straight face, I'll be amazed. <laughs> they called it, I'm not making this up, the Declaration of Independence from Woke. Like, like they think that this word is some kind of entity. Oh, like, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had, like, the fancy script and everything like that. And then, and then they all signed it. They all <laughs> signed it. And they were talking about, it started out with some idiot or another talking about how, you know, if you were there in, in, in Freedom Hall in 1776, would you have had the, the, you know, the guts to sign the declaration? And then they used a hashtag. I swear to God, <laughs> this is how pathetically bad these people are. The hashtag was, pass me the feathered pen. Oh, like, my. Honest to God. Honest and to how, God. What, These are what people... conversation was that? Just like, wait, what's, let's just think yeah. of something good. And then somebody says, like, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> they were all doing it. There. So then, then <laughs> there was some dumb Klan rally slash political thing in Iowa um, over, I guess it was over this past weekend, or maybe it was last week. I don't know. I, I couldn't care less. And um, one of the big controversies was that Trump blew it off and everybody was calling him a coward because he wouldn't show up, whatever. But Ron DeSantis was there and some of these other people. And they got Ron DeSantis to sign this gigantic laminated piece of jackassery. They got him to sign it with his tiny little stubby finger hands. It was, and there are pictures. They all took pictures with them. It's one of the most ridiculously comical things. I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember when they made fun of Mike Dukakis wearing the, wearing the army helmet in the tank, right? This was like a thousand times worse. And Ron, DeSantis cannot get out of his own way because he's continually doing these like ridiculous Yeah, the PR things. person for is like, oh, stop. They're the worst. <laughs> he's the absolute worst. But uh, yeah, it was, the, it was the dumbest, most hysterically funny thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh my God! So that that was, uh, yeah. But it is further proof that white people ruin everything. So crazy. We won't title we won't title this episode "White People Ruin Everything" though, because then people won't listen. That's true. People won't listen. But the Bill Burr bit was pretty funny. I'll have to watch that because I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's short. It's it's just you know maybe a minute. I mean, it's obviously it's part of a a, a longer routine. And yeah. It was taken, I think, from a net Netflix um, special, but it was very funny, and you know it, it's a little embarrassing. I only felt a little bit of relief because I felt like I I sensed this years ago, but really I'm not patting myself on the back. It's just because it so happened that I was involved with this company. And I would listen to their podcasts, and I listened to uh, Joy Williams' podcast every morning or whenever it was on. I don't know if it was every single day, but anyway, and that's how she signed off. And and so, I was familiar with it, um, you know, for that reason. And when I saw folks started, and it also happened to be around a time where there were a lot of people that I followed on social media who listened to a lot of these shows, and there was a lot of there's sort of a community around. These shows and people commenting on them, and some of the folks were were, were white. Not not all. Most were probably were not, but some were. And there were conversations among this group of people about, you know, maybe don't use this term. Don't use yeah. it. Like the the term ratchet is, uh, you know, to like kind of mean messed up, right? Right. Um, another term that comes from AAVE, and you know, 
some people would sort of gently say, hey. Yeah, hey. Maybe let's not, you know, go that far with the appropriation. And so I was kind of in tune with it, not because I'm some smart person, but because I saw these conversations. Right. On social media. And one thing I think that even though um, Twitter is going down in a dumpster fire, at least that is a platform where you can see what's going on, <laughs> you know, yeah. see other people's conversations, see these nuts pop up and then kind of like, yeah. you know, kind of uh, in a area where you probably wouldn't see that obviously on the news every right. day or whatever like that. So. Um, right. And the and the fortunate thing is, and at some point we should probably make a point of sort of highlighting some of these accounts. We don't really oh, yeah, have definitely. time to do it now because we're running a little bit late. But there are a lot of local people in suburbs of Chicago who are who are pushing back against these groups. And I've just sort of been fortunate enough to sort of connect with some of them. And I've also seen some, you know, because I've connected with them, I've also seen some of the worst of yeah. what's going on. Um, like the guy we were talking about last week, that our shaper guy, whatever the heck his name is, who's constantly, now he's not from here, he's from California, but he's, he creates all these, I think all the guy does is create Twitter accounts under the term mass resistance. So it'll be, you know, California mass resistance, Wyoming, Idaho, whatever, <laughs> over and over and over again. And then he just posts the same insane stuff to all these different accounts. Um, and then he, I think he teams up with local people because there's a theory, which I won't go into now, that there's a woman down in Joliet who's actually behind the Illinois and quote-unquote oh. Chicago mass resistance accounts. But they're hilariously funny. And one of the things that is also funny about him is, is just you watch these more extreme conservatives coming to the realization that they've been had by by Trump, you know, and turning on Trump and then some are diehards and they won't give up on him. Right. And they're sniping at each other and fighting. And that's sort of fun to watch. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's sort of fun to watch. I can't believe that's um, 35 minutes already. Yep. We, uh, we, we talk a lot. We do. We, we could talk probably talk for another half hour. Yeah, well, we didn't really plan anything this time. That's okay because I think that is um, our uh, our superpower. Our superpower is we can just, just talking uh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> just Hashtag. Pull, pull, it, pull it out of nowhere. I was gonna I was gonna say something else, but we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. So thanks for listening tonight. Um, we'll uh, definitely post this and um, leave links I, that I stuff to, that we mentioned. I went to take a sip of my water, and an ice cube almost went down my throat. Oh, so geez. if you heard me choking there, it was ice yeah, cube. Yeah, we would attacked, have to edit, edit that out. I was attacked by an ice cube. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. So thanks for listening tonight, and whenever time you're listening to this, and you can listen to us wherever you listen to your local podcasts. Yep. Uh, Have a great week. Have a great week. See you next time.